Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. Welcome for back to Authentic Living with Roxanne. Today I have a, a special guest, Christopher Littlefield. And uh, Christopher's in Chile right now, which I, um, he's just moving back to the US. But he's uh, uh, came recommended highly by a colleague of mine, Sarah McVannell, that I, I do a lot of work with. So Christopher, thanks so much for coming on the show. Honored to be here, Roxanne. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Christopher. He's done a lot. Um, you know, he has a, an amazing TEDx uh, talk that I just looked at, which was done in Beirut. He talks about employee recognition, appreciation, and workplace culture. And he's the founder of a company called Beyond Thank You. He's done uh, trainings across six continents. And um, some of his clients are Accenture, uh, the Lebanese Postal Service, Boston Medical uh, Center, amongst others. And he uh, writes for Forbes and Harvard's Harvard Business Review Ascend. And he's the author of the best-selling book, 75 Plus Team Building Activities for Remote Teams. So I can assume you're kind of busy since... Um, you know, everything's gone uh, virtual. I think that like everybody, I think that it started out and I think we, we hit this point where, okay, you know, maybe March kicked in. Okay, we're going to go work remote for a little bit. Okay, then April came, then May, then June. And then we realized that that reality set in that we're not going to go back anytime soon. And then mm -hmm. companies started, you know, like Twitter and Facebook and kind of ones that people are like looking at started saying, we're not going to come back before the end of the year. Mm -hmm. or We're not going to come back till next year. And so once that started happening, and then when, when schools didn't go back in the fall, I think there was a point where everybody was just kind of caught in the headlights. Like, we don't know how to deal with this. We're putting together a puzzle that has no picture right now. And the pieces are changing each day. Mm -hmm. And so there was nothing that we could account for. And I know in your work, that, that factor of uncertainty plays so much into our mental and physical health. I mean, even more so into our mental health, because we're constantly processing. And I think once June hit, um, people started realizing we're going to be here longer. So those first couple of months, nothing happened. I, I primarily work as a conference speaker. And I work mm -hmm. in conferences or do large group events for hundreds to thousands of people within companies. And so all of those started getting delayed, delayed, mm -hmm. put off till 2021, 2022. And so when that started happening, I realized, hey, all of these managers that I work with and I support around the world in these companies, we're now having virtual meetings every single day. And they were getting old, they were getting stale. And I've lived and worked virtually, you know, for the most part, for the better part of the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as a former camp counselor and outward bound instructor and all those things, I, I know how to come up with games, activities, ways to convert things. And how do you make them work in this virtual context? I mean, you see behind me in the wall here, I've got my games and all my stuff stacked here to bring out when I need to. So I think that what I did is said, okay, people need these resources. So I basically sat myself down and I wrote out, I said, can I come up with 101 things, activities? And I just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and then I sorted them. And then I realized I was like, eh, 101 is too many. I can, I can come up with about 75 good ones. And then there's a couple extras in there. So I quickly wrote and I published a book on Amazon, 75 Team Electives Remote Teams. And then I've been running a program since earlier this year called the Pandemic, um, 
pandemic leadership playbook, which was really about giving leaders tools that they can implement without spending more than 15 minutes of time a week preparing. Like, hey, what can I do in a second? I need an activity right now in a meeting. I need a question to start our next conversation. I need some way to be able to connect with people. I, I don't even know how people are, are doing when the camera's off. And so I've been spending my time giving people the resources and then also showing them how to use it. That's uh, talk about pivoting right in the moment is something that you obviously did very, very well, because I think, you know, in my world, what's happening is a lot of people, you know, they're they, they have the normal kind of issues related to running a team. And, they're, you know, they have a little too much, you know, work, not enough time, you know, they try to have the FaceTime or the virtual kind of hybrids, but then they obviously there was a, maybe potentially some issues that developed that they hadn't addressed. And then they yeah. went into a kind of lockdown and those issues to your point they kind of stayed steady but then when we realized there was no really no point of going back that's when the people's mental health or mental well-being concerns came up um, yeah. and how are we going to work together and get things done yeah 100 percent. and i think the part that you know regardless of whether we're co-located or we're working remotely right in order to engage employees you have to engage with them Mm -hmm. right? It's like everybody in the field of employee engagement and workplace culture will all quote these Gallup stats and the mm -hmm. engagement results and companies in the top quartile are more productive, have less absenteeism and all that. But people don't ever look at what those questions are based on. Those results are based on Gallup's Q12 questions. And if you actually dig in and you look at those Q12 questions, what are they asking? And, you know, one of them will be, have I received recognition or praise in the last seven days? And has somebody talked to me about my growth? Then the other ones are, do you have the tools and resources to do your job well? Mm -hmm. Does somebody at work seem to care about you as an individual? Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones off the top of my head. You know, but if you look at them, every single one of them requires the manager to actually engage with a person. Mm -hmm. And right now, do I have the tools and resources to do my job well? Well, that question is not just about, do I have a computer and fast internet? It's also... Well, I've got a four-year-old at home who's on the other side of this wall right here. And my <laughs> wife works for the UN and she's on the other side of this wall, right? And we are all trying to manage that. And for me, in my context of Chile, we've been on government lockdown. We were for two months last year because of the revolution that was going on down here. Then, then we had a couple months off and then the pandemic. And then we had another government lockdown. And so I, for three months, couldn't actually leave the apartment building. Like wow. you, could, you could go to the store twice a week with a, a permit from the police and now we're opened up and we can go out a little bit more and move around. But unless we understand what's going on for that other person, right? People tend to forget camera comes on, we immediately jump into work and we forget that there's a human being that was doing something five minutes before, right? right? You and I met today at 10 past the hour and that 10 past the hours because my shift as dad ends <laughs> at two and my wife takes over, but we have lunch. And what's realistic is no matter if I say lunch is at 1.30 and we're going to sit down and eat, we're going to end up being late. And so instead of having you wait and say, hey, and tell you 10 minutes late, I'm just going to say 10 minutes past the hour because then I guarantee I can be down, <laughs> sitting down, ready to go. Right? And so I think now if there was problems before, they're going to be amplified. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, leaders also have something that they never had before, which is a common struggle and a common dynamic. Mm -hmm. everybody's facing the pandemic, but they're facing it from different circumstances, right? And so as long as we understand everyone's circumstances are different, it's an opportunity. It's like when it's a horrible example, but when somebody loses a loved one or something tragic happens in the office, 
every time is an opportunity to be able to check in where sometimes it's awkward to be able to say, hey, how are you doing? I don't know how to start the conversation. But if there's one of those kind of milestone moments or something that happens, we have a reason to check in. And so I think for leaders right now, you know, it's less. And, and one of my favorite quotes is Mark Goldstein. Uh, if you know his book, Just Listen, and he has some phenomenal other work. He's a mentor of mine, and I interviewed him for um, a YouTube channel earlier this year. And one of the things that he said was, it's less important what we say to others. It's more important what we empower others to say to us, mm. right? And as leaders, it's really less about saying, okay, I need to say the right mm. thing. What am I going to say today? Stop worrying about what you need to say. Just ask questions and listen. And don't worry about having to have the answer. Just understand what people are dealing with. And once you understand what they're dealing with, don't try to solve it. Just listen and take time to understand their world. And most of the times when you take time to understand the person's world and how your actions may be impacting it, that usually is the thing that's going to make the biggest difference. But I think, you know, I'm, I've written my second book. I actually did the same as you over the mm -hmm. pandemic. And it's about authentic heart leadership. So I'm talking about mm -hmm. the concept of leaders really taking the time to take care of themselves and to go into 100%. that space of awareness where they connect with to, you know, little things that they could do often, right? I talk a lot about that with mental resilience. So, you know, I talk about them, you know, figuring out their breath or setting alarms on their phones, because of course, with people at that level, uh, Chris, you know that they are functional and they, they, they come at, you know, problems uh, from their position from a high level and they can mm -hmm. endure and withstand a lot. And then you kind of put them in the context of uh, everybody, like you said, you're like, you know, just finishing lunch and kind of putting that buffer in. And I'm trying to think about, okay, I have to get, you know, finish this coaching call and all those things. And we're shutting a lot of things, but when leaders are able to stop and really center themselves more often, mm -hmm. Um, what they're able to do is to get in contact with their internal world. And then they understand the energy that they impact the others around them. But if they're so stressed, if you think about this time, yeah. how are they, you know, able to like, to your point, to have that conversation where they're already saying, okay, Christopher, how are you really doing if they're so much worrying about the bottom line? Yeah. And you can't, you can't take other people. One of the things in one of my workshops that I, I start out by saying is we're not leading remote teams. And we're not working remotely. We're leading remote teams and working remotely in a pandemic. And I think mm -hmm. it's easy the longer that we do this to forget that this isn't normal. And what we're having to process and deal with each day is not normal. And people were already stressed out and burnout out prior mm -hmm. to the pandemic. And then you add this on top of it. Absolutely. And for some people, it's gotten easier. I, one of my articles in Forbes recently, I just said, what are the three questions you need to be asking your people right now? And we also need to be asking ourselves right? Is how has life mm -hmm. gotten harder for me since the start of the pandemic? How's mm -hmm. my work gotten harder? Like just to look at, cause some things have gotten harder and for other people it's gotten easier. Right. right. And then what things have gotten easier for me? What do I appreciate about working from home? And then what am I proud of that I've been able to do regardless of the circumstances? Mm -hmm. And by answering those three questions, we start to understand that. But to go back to your point about that whole one about being able to take care of ourselves is, you know, it drives, I don't know about you, but it drives me nuts. All these articles like, you know, three simple things to bring more joy and happiness to your life right now. I'm like, shut up. You're not at home <laughs> with a four-year-old. I can't meditate. The other day I tried to sit down and do yoga and literally my daughter was climbing on my back. 
She had a magnifying glass because she was pretending she was a detective and climbing on her knee while the cat is screaming for food at the same time. I'm like, you want me to carve out 15 minutes? I get it at 2 a.m. when everyone goes to sleep. That's not the reality. And like, there's no quick fix, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, it's reminding yourself there's no quick fix in what we have is we're running a race with no clear finish line and we're putting together a puzzle with no picture. And all we can do is take care of the runner right now and work with the pieces mm-hmm. that we have today, right? And like, what do I have today? Okay, I got an hour. I finished an article I had to get into Harvard Business Review yesterday. Today, I can clean the house and I can listen to my book on tape for an hour, right? On right. tape. I don't think anyone has <laughs> books on tape anymore, but you know what I'm talking about, right? And, and what are those little things that I can incorporate into my day to take care of myself? And then be able to stay in communication with the people that I am co-located with, meaning my wife, my daughter, and my cat, and also my coworkers about like, hey, here's what I can do right now today. And here's what Mm. I can't do. Right? Like being able, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So I'm curious, right? Like with with the managers that you're you're, uh, supporting uh, through this time, are they having that lens to say, to be as transparent as you just were when you talked about your scenario? Are they, do they have the skills or are they demonstrating the skills to show that they are also going through this in their college, you know, located space with their family? Yeah. yeah, to be able to translate that to, the, to their teams or their frontline employees to say, hey, you know what, we're in this together. I'm lucky if I, I'm able to your point, like to get off, you know, um, get my work done before two o'clock so I can crash and get back up when the five-year-old's up at six o'clock. Well, we need to. Like some are doing it and some are. Some still feel like they've got to keep themselves together and hold this mm-hmm. facade. But you can't really hold on the facade when a kid's breaking into your office in the middle of it, <laughs> right? One of my favorite questions, and this is a great one for some of the leaders you work with, is to ask people what, when you get on a call, what were you doing five minutes before? Mm-hmm. Because when you ask people what you were doing five minutes before, it immediately makes you get present to the world they're dealing with. Some people, mm-hmm. I was just on another call. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody else will say, you know what? I was just making lunch for my family or I was getting, dealing with my kid in virtual school. And that also sparks a conversation to be able to understand what their world is and get you present as a leader to be empathetic what other people are dealing with. And I think the other one is early, early on in the pandemic, I, I wrote an article that's in Harvard Business Review called How to Be an Empathetic uh, Remote Coworker. And everything in that was really about, and I interviewed a bunch of people for it, and I just asked people, like, what are you doing? And it's like, hey, if we try to pretend like we have it all together, like one of the mm-hmm. elements in there is to not be perfect. Mm-hmm. Give people space because, hey, you know, my life's a mess most days. <laughs> it is. If you looked at me two days ago, I had three deadlines I was trying to get. I had this article to get to finish. I'm buying a house right now. I'm going through all these things. And the truth is, I was going crazy. Now I'm great because I finished those two things and everything's fine right now. But two days ago, I could barely get through the day, you know? And I think that when we share that, it gives freedom to other people to not be perfect as well, because there's nothing that takes up more mental resources than to manage how we show up in front of other people, right? Instead that vulnerability, that, in, that vulnerability is so important, right? Like you, like I, I just watched uh, uh, Chris's TED talk, and I was laughing because it was so funny. Because I was like, that realism that you bring, um, you know, to your talks, it makes so much sense. And you know, thank you. It's it's um, it's one thing we're all going through this. To your point, right? Like I'm always dealing with mental resilience, but and then people will say, well, what what do you do? I says, well, I I try my best to apply what I teach others, but sometimes I'm I do horribly as well. 
And I'm sometimes I drink a lot of wine. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And you have to really be real and say, you know, some days I'm pretty good at it. And some days I'm not so good. And I have to try again the next day. But with recognition, let's talk about your, you know, your sweet spot. Like, so with everything going on, we don't have a timeline in, in, in mind. We, you know, we don't know when, like you said, the, the, you know, the quarter mile keeps, you know, the mark keeps moving and moving and moving and it's going to continue for a while. So how is it that you've been guiding managers um, and leaders to keep recognition going? I like what the one thing that you said, pivoting to say, hey, Roxanne, what were you just doing allows you to connect with me on a surreal level where I'm going to share something and you're going to be able to find some connection to be able to have a conversation, which is fantastic. I love that. Yeah. So for, for me, I, when people think of recognition, they often think rewards and awards, mm-hmm. right? They think of the plaques, they think of the employee of the month, they think of uh, gift cards or points in their system or whatever their mm-hmm. rewards platform is. So for me, when I relate to recognition, and one of my goals in life is to transform how people relate to giving and receiving recognition. And one of those is shifting the terminology. So one is that when I, when I think of recognition, I actually break it down into components, right? There's appreciating the person, mm-hmm. there's acknowledging circumstances, there's recognizing effort and progress, then there's rewarding results, and there's awarding standout results. And so I put it on this spectrum. And the goal of all of those actions are to ensure that people feel valued. So oftentimes people forget, it's like, oh, well, we need this recognition. We need to do this program. Well, why are we doing it? The goal is that people feel valued at work. That's the outcome they're trying to do. And they get value from their work and they give value to their company or organization and their colleagues. And so inside that spectrum, you have appreciating the person, which right now is really the heart of it. And where many people put awards and rewards at the top, I actually invert the triangle here. So awards and awards are a teeny portion of it at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And some people may say it's the foundation, but what I want to do is the emphasis is the tools that managers have are their conversations and their dialogues and understanding Mm -hmm. what people are dealing with. That is the most powerful tool Mm -hmm. and it costs nothing. And all it does is take a few minutes. The challenge is we get really uncomfortable with it and we're not sure. And there's a lot of uncertainty around it. We avoid the things that we're uncertain about. Right? There's an emotional risk to engage in an uh, unplanned, unscripted conversation with somebody. Mm-hmm. Right? And so the same reason why we avoid giving feedback is the same reason why we avoid checking in, is the same reason why we avoid recognizing people is because we're uncertain of how they will respond. But in that appreciating the person, it's just that reminder. And I recommend to leaders, I say, write down on a post-it note over your mouse, put it down on your keyboard or on your mouse where you're going to move something around and write, acknowledge the circumstances acknowledge the person right when you get on the call, you know, Mm -hmm. that, Hey, what were you dealing five minutes before? How are you doing? I want to do a check-in and I'll share some, some possible check-ins, excuse me, in a second here, but appreciating that person and everything they're dealing with inside of work and outside of work. Mm -hmm. Hey, Mm -hmm. if I don't know that that person has kids on the other end, if I don't know that they have elderly parents Mm -hmm. or if they're alone and they haven't been able to interact with people, we, you know, we work, live internationally and we have a lot of friends who are also expats who are away from family and have been quarantined in their house by themselves for four months Wow, solo, mm-hmm. right? That's not good for anybody's health. No, of course. Sometimes I, I wish I could have at least three or four days like that. <laughs> you take, you um, could just take like one or two, I like an afternoon. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, <laughs> I would just love just a couple hours of that, just quiet time. Ooh. It wasn't after 2 a.m. in the morning. So <laughs> I, I think there's that element. And then there's acknowledging the circumstances. Like, hey, you know what? If there's noise in the back, if a kid busts in, 
if you get interrupted and you have to turn your camera off for a minute to be able to go take care of something, that's okay. <laughs> and people may have said that back in March, but they've stopped saying it now. And the longer we go without acknowledging that, the more people shift into, well, maybe I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there's the parents who are like, screw it. I have to do that. There's no other right. option. Right. And then the element is recognizing the effort and progress is when I relate to recognition, there's recognition that we give to others. When I recognize Roxanne for something that you did that impacted me, that's mm-hmm. one form of recognition. And then there's what I call interactive recognition or collaborative recognition, uh, which is when I ask you, because I have no clue, Roxanne, what you are dealing with in your mm-hmm. life when the camera's off. Mm-hmm. And as a leader, and I am not interacting, I have no clue what you're dealing with. I have no clue where you are, all the things you're facing, and what you deal with once you turn the camera off. Mm-hmm. And this is, by the way, the same as when we're in the office. We see the results. And yeah. as leaders, we try to point out things and find things to recognize in the results. I'm supposed to do this recognition thing. Where what I'm about is about having a dialogue with that person to say, hey, it may be strange I'm asking this, but what are you proud of or what do you want to be acknowledged for? Because I don't know what, what's important to you. And then when I ask and I ask questions, you have an opportunity to share what you did, what you're proud of and why you're proud of that thing. Mm-hmm. And then my job is just to listen to what matters to you and acknowledge you back for what you shared, but give you the opportunity to be able to share what you're proud of, to share what you've accomplished, to share what you're struggling with, and then listening to that and empowering you to be able to share that to me also builds connection with me. And then mm-hmm. that person is usually left with the experience of feeling valued afterwards. Does that make so sense? When, yeah, absolutely. Because when people feel recognized, and I mean, I've, in my you know, um, career, I've been a manager several times. And mm-hmm. you know, I w- I'm often struck, right? Because of course, I'm a psychologist. So guess mm-hmm. what? I, I know how to talk. I know how to connect. Mm-hmm. And um, when I filled the, the shoes of another leader who was, um, you know, it was an unfortunate kind of situation, and I did simple things which unfortunately as a leader entering into those shoes, they were, it was not pretty. I tell you, it was not mm-hmm. nice at first because they didn't trust me and they had no reason to trust me. And yep. then as I would just go and do little things like constant, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'd go sit and say, you know, how can I help today? Or, you know, how, mm-hmm. how's the unit running? I, I would talk yep. about nothing. And they would be like, yep. Oh, what's what she up to? And then after a while, it took quite a while what it started to make me realize is that because I was taking the time just to get to know them as people, not even talking yeah. about the job, um, it was amazing to watch the transformation because they were so, um, they could kind of just relax a bit and then just be yeah. themselves. And then I just kind of got out of the way and they, they were phenomenal at what they did, you know, um, in, in, in their positions because they had brought such yeah. uh, strength with them and little, little things. Like I did something, it was a unit that I ran an outpatient clinic mm-hmm. and I, something as simple, this is silly, simple, simple, Chris. Yeah. I bought red t-shirts at Christmas and I put um, our department name with, with, and with a, logo, a little logo with their names mm-hmm. and something around Christmas. And I gave them each that of those, that, mm-hmm. And we went to lunch. What well, was the bit? I probably spent five bucks on those t-shirts maybe mm-hmm. to get done. Yeah. And, and they still talked about it years later. It's, and, and I think that this is what, there is nothing in life that I, you know, when I think of examples, I think dying is the only thing you do once, mm-hmm. right? Hopefully, right? Hopefully just <laughs> once, right? But other than that, it's everything is building and maintaining, mm-hmm. right? You're building a relationship and then you're maintaining it. You know, when the pandemic hit, you know what? I stopped uh, maintaining my health. 
I was drinking more. I was eating junk food. I was getting chips, you know, all the time. I'd order it when we'd order food. And I gained a lot of weight really quick. And then I kept it off. And then I did, I was working out every single day and I got in the best shape I'd been in a long time. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we stopped working out. Guess what? The weight's coming back. And, and I think our relationships are the same way. Absolutely. If we're not doing those little things to signal to people. And I think that's what people don't realize is that our actions, our inactions are always sending signals to others. Mm-hmm. Where do I stand with them? How do they feel about my work? Mm-hmm. How do they feel about my contributions? And if I'm not sending those signals, right? It's like, it's not like you get married and you said, I love you just at your wedding and then you're done. Mm-hmm. Right? No, that's when the real work starts. That was the <laughs> easy part, right? Right, right. Someone facilitating. Sure. And then the real work comes in when you actually go home and you got to be in a relationship, especially when it struggles. And then you're in a pandemic, and you're locked inside together. And it really gets hard. <laughs> For right? sure. But I think that, but I think that it's those remind, remembering that every single day is an opportunity to connect or disconnect. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, my, my, my friend is the, uh, works at, at Cornell and the wheel school and, and psychiatry. I always get the two words mixed up. Psychiatry, psychology, psychologist. He can, he can give medication. I always forget. He's psychiatry. He's psychiatry. psychiatry. I'm he's psychology. Psychiatry. He's psych- yes, psychology. Yes. Psychiatry. Yeah. I always get the two mixed up. And he has a great line. He goes, if you're not building relationships, they're breaking down. Mm. Right. There's one or the other. Right. Right. And so it's like those things you're saying, it's like, Hey, I did these shirts, mm-hmm. but also realizing that, Checking in just maybe, hey, think you need today. If you need anything, I'm here. Text right. message in the morning. Right. But those nonstop signals to people. And then also knowing that there's some employees who don't want you to check in. Mm-hmm. Just give me my performance view at the end. And what I want is I want that 3% increase. Mm-hmm. And then I want to go home and I don't want to be doing anything with the team other than just doing my work because I like to have that separation. But if we're not understanding what matters to people, we can't do and we can't deliver that. But that's an individualistic fit. And I think your point is so well. Like some people say, give me the 3%. I'm all good. I'm, I'm the type. I'm, I'm a self-starter. I manage myself. Yep. I'm good to go. And then you have the other people that need to connect, you know, face-to-face um, to, yep. to just see how you're doing. But I think what happens with a lot of managers, they kind of think, okay, we're doing o- o- overall well. I think everybody, mm-hmm. there's no disruptions. There's no role mm-hmm. for me. And they don't take that extra little step just to check and say, is what I'm doing, has that been working for you? Or do I need yeah. to pivot it a bit? Do, how do I need to yeah. adjust it? They may not ask yeah. those questions. So therefore, they might be doing really, really a lot of work, but they might not getting the, the result that they're needing because they're, they're not finding the right fit. Yeah, and, and I think that that's why we always have to be checking in. And there's mm-hmm. the, the danger of the assumption that everything's going well. Mm-hmm. And I think right now, specifically in the pandemic, I think it's even harder. You know, I had an instance with my, with my sister the other day who just called as we were getting on here. You know, she's, you know, I'm dealing with everything that I'm dealing with at home and we're going through a move and all these things that we're dealing with. And she checks in on, on Monday morning. She goes, how was your weekend? I'm like, good. It was great. And then I realized, oh crap, she had shoulder, shoulder surgery on Friday before. Oh. And I completely forgot about it because the challenge is when we're so stressed out, it's hard to keep everybody else's stress and things that are going on. And when we're co-located, we see them. I see her in the sling. And it reminds you, oh God, how did it go? But if we don't have that vision, we don't have those reminders, we don't send those little cues to, to remember to check in, then we miss those things. Mm-hmm. And then the challenge is when we forget those interactions, it has an impact on others where they assume that our inaction is equal to not caring. Where our inaction, right. absolutely, literally many times just, oh my God, I can't believe this. She sent me a picture and then I was like horrified. Now I check in every two days. 
You know, like, how is it? How's this going? Because you just, when you don't see those cues or you don't have something that reminds you, and I think for the leaders, there's some people that are just really on the ball about doing that. My wife's great. I'm not phenomenal. I, I see the messages. I see someone's LinkedIn birthday comes up and I'm like, okay, it's their birthday. I'll send them a message, check in. Or I was cleaning out my office last night mm. and um, a card, a Christmas card from a friend came up. I sent a message right then. It's more spontaneous, but when you have a team of 10, 15 people or 30 people scheduling those check-ins once a month and putting them on the calendar saying, okay, I'm going to do five. I'm going to do five this week, one a day for 15 minutes. And then when you've had those check-ins and everyone knows you're going to have those check-ins and people know that they're going to have the opportunity to talk to you uninterrupted at some point in the next two to three weeks. And I've done some interviews for my book um, and I spoke to one CEO and he had a smaller company and he scheduled five minutes touch points with everybody when as things were shutting down he said it was tough but he said he he just just to say and of course the ceo is calling you so you're like you're holding your breath and he goes hey i'm just calling to to say hi i know this is a tough time for us and we're going to get through this we'll figure it out as a company and he you know his assistants worked with it took him some time so just those little things and he said now they're in such a healthy place because people were like wow he actually cares about us and, you know, he's having a rough and he's sharing what he's going through as well as, as all of this is happening to his company. Um, but that those those touch points. Now, you talked a little bit about some hacks that people can do really quickly. What are some of the little mm-hmm. tips that people can do to? to- well, I think I, I think for, you know, when it comes to your virtual meetings, you know, some of the ones and the ones that are in the book, um, let's let's we can start there. So one mm. is just starting your meetings, um, being conscious that how you start your meeting is probably one of the most important things right, is that initial check-in. And, and I, in the book, I recommend what I call the one-six rule. So for every hour of meetings, one-six of it should be devoted to relationship building. Maybe that's, you know, and that's 10 minutes. Maybe it's two minutes in the beginning and check-in in the middle or, or something in the end. And I recommend starting with connection before content and gratitude before goodbye, right, is taking time to connect right in the beginning and then making sure we say thank you before we leave. And so one way to just start is that when people join the call, Simply ask, hey, what was everyone doing five minutes before today? And mm-hmm. that usually sparks conversation. Using a welcome question in the book, I have a list of 20 different questions there people can ask. Um, you know, you can use a gratitude prompt, something like that. There's 22 of those in the book. And then another one that I recommend a lot, and this has been probably one of the most popular ones I share, is, is pulse check questions. Mm-hmm. And so many times when we check in, if we just ask, hey, how's everybody doing? people, most of the time, people don't really care. Right. And so they right. just move on. I'm good. I'm good. The truth mm-hmm. is we're not good. We're dealing with a mess at home and everything's a wreck. And underneath my desk is all the stuff I don't want you to see in the back right now. <laughs> um, literally. Um, and so I think that what we can do is then ask questions, what I call pulse check questions. So on a one to 10 scale, how are you feeling about your ability to be able to handle everything at work and home right now? 10, mm-hmm. I got this to one, if you give me one more thing, I'm going to collapse. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. if there's a lot of people on the call, people can put it into the chat or they can put it up on their hands and show people, mm-hmm. right? But then that way I just, I do a numerical value to explain my circumstances. And then it's easier to explain out from that. Mm-hmm. And so as a leader, if I see people with seven or below, it's a signal to me to just be like, okay, I need to check in with Roxanne. Mm-hmm. She was at like mm-hmm. a four today. Right. Hey, I just want to check in. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the follow-up question, if it's just a one-on-one, or, you know, I can invite a couple of people to share, hey, why did you pick the number you did? And is there anything you, I, or the team can do to help bring that number up? Mm-hmm. Anytime the reason why we're at a four 
is nothing to do with work and has to do with what we're dealing with at home. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. Right, but that's a simple thing that we can do to, we can do to check in. You're gonna say something. Today. Well, it's so true because in the um, employee assistance world, 65% of any concerns that are happening at work is related to home. So it bears out, right? Because, <laughs> right, so you can imagine what those numbers look like now, right? So to your point, yes. so actually having people quantify really instead of glossing over the topics at hand, you're having them actually say where they are. You're tracking that as the manager just to say, okay, I'm going to note this. Chris is a little bit lower. Roxanne's a little bit, yep. um, this, that, or the other. And it, and you're just kind of um, keeping that pulse of where they're at. So you can have more of a constructive conversation to say, is there something I can be helping you with or what's really going on for you without getting, yeah. you know, if it's more than just something not related to work, you can obviously, you would have a bit of a conversation and then there's resources if it's really personal, but you're, you're letting them know that you're, you're there for them. Yeah. And you're just taking time to check in an alternative way and mm-hmm. using a different question so that people have an opportunity to connect about something. Mm-hmm. You know, you can play, you know, play games on the, on the phone, you know, some of the one, one of my favorite ones, and it's probably the most popular one is virtual. Have you ever, right. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever played the game, have you ever, someone will say, have you ever done this? And if you have, you turn your camera on. And if not, you leave your camera off. And it's fun and virtually to be able to do that. It's have you ever hidden things under your desk to make it look like it, your office is cleaner than it is? Have you ever completely forgotten about a meeting? And then the person's like, are you going to join the call? And you're like, oh yeah, I was just getting on. And then you didn't even know who the person was or what the meeting was. Right. And just to be able to joke and laugh about our circumstances. Because if we can't laugh about it, and, and you know, in your world too, is that that laughter triggers that parasympathetic nervous system triggers us into rest and recover. And it's what we can do because right now, nothing is going to address the uncertainty that we're facing in our life. But and what I, we can I, love do- the, I, I love the gratitude part you're, you're talking about because yeah. that really connects us. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, that no. really connects us into the heart. And then when we get connected to really what's important, right? And, or even like, whether it's like you're telling the funny story about your daughter climbing yeah. all over you and she's a detective, that really, really sets us at a good place or to go to laughter to your point, right? Like these are things that I think unfortunately are getting lost even more because people are under so much more stress. Well, and and it's, you know, I I don't have time to take care of myself. That's how I feel most days. Mm -hmm. I don't have time. I'm like, I just want to disconnect. And I think that's a part is that, you know, most of the self-help world drives me nuts because it's so focused on quick fixes. And the truth is there's no quick fix, but what little thing can I do it will make a difference for me right now, mm-hmm. right? Who are the people that I enjoy talking to that I leave invigorated after I talk to them? Right. You know, what is it I watch on YouTube that afterwards <laughs> I smile, right. right? Because most of that knowledge is going in. The article that I just submitted that hopefully will be in Harvard Business Review in the next couple of months, hopefully sooner than that, but it was about how do we trigger gratitude? And it's a piece that I'd done before that we reworked for the, for the main site. And it's literally that reminder that, you know, gratitude, it's, it's not going to resolve the uncertainty of what's going on right now, but what it will do is help us cope with the, the impact of the uncertainty, mm-hmm. right? And that little practice of just bookending our day, Jay Ellard, who runs Simple Intentions, um, you know, phenomenal programs around resiliency. And, you know, she says, just bookend your day with a little bit of gratitude, mm-hmm. taking a minute to stop and meal and just like, you know what, I really appreciate it. And she shared, it was very vivid for me that fresh pomegranates I had on my cereal this morning. It tasted amazing. <laughs> or I'm just grateful for my body today because I had back issues before and today I'm walking fine. Mm-hmm, right. And, mm-hmm. and by taking those moments to be able to do that and just smile about something, 
and just laugh about something. I mean, mm. you know what? It's literally just maintaining that mental diet so we don't get that emotional indigestion from digesting US politics, Canadian politics, whatever, all the time. Anybody would get sick if they eat that greasy burger every single day. And so I think it's just thinking about like, hey, I'm conscious of what I put into my body food-wise, but am I conscious of what I'm putting into my mind? And just being Absolutely. aware of that and then thinking about, hey, you know what? I've been eating a lot of junk food lately. It's time to counter with something else, which may be just turning my phone off mm -hmm. and doing something with my hands. Or it may be thinking about what I'm consciously putting in and how that makes me feel by directing my attention to that, which is a contribution to my life. So it sounds so good. Um, I'm sure that people listening are thinking, you know, of little things that they can um, start implementing, say, tomorrow. So if there are people that are, you know, and I know we could probably spend a lot more time, but I know we have to wrap up. But if, let's say, a, a leader's listening and he's saying, oh, my teams aren't doing so well, what are some things that they can do tomorrow to start getting them back on track? I think, so, so one of the ones is on my, on my if you go to beyondthankyou.com backslash book, I have a, I have a little uh, team self-assessment. And it's just okay. a 10-question thing to be able to ask and kind of do a pulse check on really the emotional safety. You know, ask questions like, um, do I feel safe to speak up if I need help? If I have a conflict with somebody, how comfortable do I feel to address it head on or do we avoid it? And mm -hmm. I think for a leader, I think a good thing to do is to be able to go and just do a pulse check of where are you at with your team? And then based on that, I recommend some stuff. I think that if your team, if things have been a little toxic lately, you don't want to bring your whole team together for discussion right away. Mm -hmm. You actually, as a leader, want to go and interview people and understand mm -hmm. what their experience has been first. Though I think you start with the one-on-ones. And then if things have been going good and we just haven't had time to check in, is I think that people sometimes, many times people are putting off one performance reviews, having reviews and conversations right now. We'll do it when we're back to the office. Hell no, do it now. Mm -hmm. Have those conversations. Those are the things that are going to make the biggest difference. Don't keep on waiting to return to the office because you mm -hmm. create more uncertainty about how people are doing. Have those conversations now because really it's not about the games. The games just create the, can help support creating the container that makes it safe to have the conversations that really make a difference. You know, mm -hmm. people always look at me and be like, oh, Chris, you're in team building. I'm like, yeah, I do all those games just to make it safe so we can have the conversation that you guys have been avoiding having, right? I ran a retreat for a, for a team recently and they were all, you know, they're dealing with a lot of tents, a lot of tents, they're overloaded with work right now, it's great. And we actually just facilitated a process and we played the games so that we could jump into the real conversation and address the issues that nobody wanted to talk about because no one wanted to give feedback to each other. Mm -hmm. And once we made it safe to talk, so those games are in there. And one of the other ones that's, it's, if you go to Forbes and you uh, Google Chris Littlefield Forbes, there's how to run a virtual retreat. And I give a whole process to be able to, to organize a virtual retreat in under an hour. Everything you need in there to be able to do it. And then if you email me, I have a form that literally gives you an outline to be able to do that. Um, and I think that right now, it's just a matter of, of that hour, carve out 10 minutes to connect, right? Mm -hmm. And then every six meetings, one meeting should be devoted solely to relationship building. Mm -hmm. So if you have meetings every six weeks, one week, just relationship building. And I think if you take that time and carve out time to build relationships, then I think you won't be dealing with as many of the issues that you get because you've been avoiding it. It's like when so we're it's, sick, right? It's all about, it's, yeah, of course. And it's all about taking those little incremental times. It doesn't have to be a big epiphany, but to do it as 
uh, consistently as you have, just to make sure that what's your pulse? What's happening for you? Am, am I getting Chris? Is, is he seems off? What's happening for him? And then, you, you know, just relationship, 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 which is all that I talk about. Now, Chris, if people are wanting to connect with you, uh, you know, with um, events or coaching with you, where, where might they yeah. reach you? You can find me at beyondthankyou.com. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn, Christopher Littlefields, and then also on YouTube under Christopher Littlefield as well. And so those are the three primary places that I spend the most of my time. And then if you want to see articles, just Google Littlefield Harvard Business Review or Littlefield Forbes, and a lot of my pieces will come up there. And on the self-care side, I also have some pieces that are up on Thrive Global. Um, I think they're still up there. I haven't written for them in a long time, but um, there's some there that are more on the self-care uh, side of things, but on the leadership side of it, beyondthankyou.com. And it's a bunch of resources. And every two weeks I send out a mailing um, with literally practical tools, activities, resources that you can do in your virtual meetings. And also once you're back in the office as well. Awesome. Well, this has been amazing. Happy packing. I, I know you've done well. Thank I you. can't see what's under your desk, but that's okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We, we won't, we won't put the camera under it. It's actually not bad. Last night I did, I did all the dumping. It looks everything. pretty good. It looks pretty good there. It's, it's, it's not, it's not doing, it's not doing too bad. So I still have a couple months before I move, but I'm just trying to get it done because things are going to get busy work-wise, but Roxanne, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks for the opportunity to be able to share with your community. And um, I look forward to staying in touch. Awesome. And for everybody listening, connect, connect, connect. If you don't know where you're at and you're needing some support around getting connected to yourself as a leader, you can reach me at RoxanneDurhodge.com. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit RoxanneDurhodge.com blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.